Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird. We just talked to Ryan Day. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. And on Wednesday morning, late morning, Ryan Day had a pre-spring football practice Zoom teleconference with the Ohio State writers. And that's what we're going to talk about because we got some information from Ryan Day. And then uh, on Friday is the first day of spring football practice. And we're supposed to talk with Kerry Combs and Kevin Wilson and a couple players. That's the plan on Friday. So that'll be our Saturday podcast, you know, talking about this. Because we're at the point now, Nathan, where it's not just what we think. We actually can start basing what we think off what people are saying, which I think is all good for everybody. Because sometimes people get tired of our random opinions on things. So we're just going to talk about what Ryan Day talked about. So we can go back and forth. Why don't you start? Nathan Baird, what do you want to talk about first? Well, it, it's unfortunate that we don't get to see things. That's that's the actual best thing usually about the spring is, you know, and I, I'm this is only my second spring here, and my last one was very abbreviated, but it was quite a revelation to be able to go in that first week last year and start actually seeing what seven banks looked like and seeing where the linebackers were lined up and seeing where certain other guys were lined up in the secondary, and we're not going to get that. So, the, the But actually talking to people can be informative. Um, one of the things that, that jumped out to me today, a question I asked was just, where what is the deal with Paris Johnson like this is kind of an example of where it crosses over from things that we're speculating about to things that someone like Ryan Day will then either affirm or disconfirm and he said today that Paris Johnson is starting the spring as a guard but that there was uh, opportunity for that to change if necessary you asked a good follow-up question as far as what that means for the veteran tackles and how they're approaching that. But I thought it was, it was important to kind of get some structure in our minds going into the spring of, is this like a free for all as far as that offensive line is it, it definitely sounds like something we've said all along is true that they consider him one of the five best offensive linemen, I think. And he is going to start on this offensive line and it's probably going to be at guard because that might make the most sense because they have the two tackles coming back, but that there is flexibility there that the, that they are willing to utilize as we get into the off season. My follow-up, we were on the Paris Johnson beat today. Cause like, as we go through it, Jerry Emig, loyal Ohio state SID, you raise your hand on the zoom. 
Jerry runs through everybody. You get one question and then you move on. And then maybe at the end, you might get a second question. So you asked your question about Paris Johnson. And then I, my question was following up on your question about Paris Johnson. So that's how interested he, here at Buckeye Talk we are in this idea. It's what we used our stuff on. Now, Stephen also got questions in and he asked a good basketball question and a good receiver question that we'll get into later. But we're really interested in this. And my follow-up was basically, yeah, Ryan, but on the podcast, I said maybe you should move a veteran tackle to guard. What about that? And he was like, eh. So I did want to put, not put him on the spot, but I wanted to get a little specific about that because as you said, his answer to your question was like, Paris Johnson at guard, basically. The general, because the thing, Nathan, that I think is hard is, Coaches say everybody's flexible all the time. And a lot of times, and I've always tried to push on back on that over the years, sometimes they mean it, but a lot of times they don't. And it's like, hey, the linebackers can play every spot. It's like, yeah, but tough Borland never played anything but Mike linebackers whole life. Like, like, so I get it, but yeah. But also the linebackers can play every spot, but you made a big deal last year that you moved Pete Warner from strong side to weak side and how different. So a lot of times they're not as flexible as they like to talk about. So is this real flexibility or kind of just flexibility talk that, yeah, he said even their guards and tackles do a lot of the same things, right? Which again, I, I understand like when linebackers coaches say that, I don't know that I've ever heard a coach say that like, eh, guard tackle kind of the same. I, I just thought that's not exactly what he said, but I thought that was interesting because he's trying to make that point. I think the point he's trying to make is they can slide if we need them, but there's a question of, are, is someone going to slide only if you need them to or you're, are you choosing for them to slide? But I think you're right. In the end, they're going to start spring practice with Thayer Mumford at left tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere at right tackle, as they were last year. And Paris Johnson is going to be battling for a starting guard spot. And I don't think they're going to move off of that, like unless somebody, unless something goes wrong, right? Which would be. Maybe Paris Johnson like just does not look super comfortable at guard. And they're like, man, we think Paris Johnson would be killing people at tackle. And he's just off kilter at guard. Let's go to one of the vets and try that. Right. That like, I think, but I think it's Paris Johnson of the three tackles. Paris Johnson is the guard unless that doesn't work. And he's not going to say it before spring practice even starts, but he is definitely going to win one of the starting guard spots. Yeah, nobody asked today about Harry Miller, but we also assume that he's probably going to end up starting at center this year. And that'll be something else that we can follow up with when we get people like Kevin Wilson and Greg Stradrawa as this spring develops. But again, that's our assumption. So the way I hear Ryan Day today is and you have to kind of, again, kind of read between the lines a little bit, but like, hey, we're not stupid. There's we, we need two guards. This guy's great. And remember, go back to last season, in the last season, in the playoffs, when I asked Josh Myers about Paris Johnson, and he gave that great answer about how he could start at any position anywhere in the Big Ten, basically, and talked about how he's going to win the Outland someday. And I think what, you know, when, when Ryan Day talks about Paris Johnson being versatile, again, he talk, they always talk about a lot of people being versatile. I believe it in a different way when they talk about Paris Johnson. I think it's their way of just saying, like, this guy is just that elite as a, as a pure football player. We've got to get him on the field in some way. So uh, I, I think they're not saying that he is a guard. They're saying that he's playing guard. And I think that's an important distinction. If something were to happen, 
something were to happen to the Thayer Munford or maybe even Nicholas Petit Frere, I could see him being the first guy to move out the tackle. Maybe that is the most, maybe that makes the smartest sense for that offensive line, but it makes the smartest sense for this team right now that he's a starting offensive lineman on day one. Yeah, he's definitely the third tackle. He's playing tackle if one of those other two guys is hurt. There's no doubt about that. But like, that's not, I, that's never what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not talking about, well, if somebody gets hurt, I'm talking about you have, who are you playing? When, when everybody's ready to go, what's it look like? And it feels like it's definitely going to be Paris Johnson's inside. And it is one of those things. I mean, he said he did some things last year. Again, we all saw the clip, right? There's the one clip of Paris Johnson at guard mauling that dude. So, um, you know, I think this is maybe just my bad read. I think a lot of times when you think about tackles, you think about pass protection, right? And moving your feet and having long arms and being able to block edge rushers. And a lot of times when you talk about guards, you talk about run game. And it's like, can you pull? Can you maul guys? Can you clear space? And so that I think, I think Paris Johnson has like feet, athleticism, length for tackle, which is why he's going to be a great tackle when they get him there. And I don't know that who it would apply to maybe, but I bet you it does, it does apply to some tackles. It's like, all right, well, now we're going to put you inside and now we want you to maul some guys. Can you maul some guys? Because listen, tackles run block too. So it might just be my own head, right? But like we have that one clip, but also I think just the general profile of Paris Johnson is like, oh, pass pro, I'm good. Oh, you'd like some to see some mauling like in the job interview? Hey, just could you just do a little mauling for us to see what you've got there? He's like, oh, you mean like this? Like, yeah, no, I buy that too. I buy him at at both. Can we just see a quick maul? Just a just a just a quick maul. Um, yeah, I I think you're right. I think, and also remember when he's saying like we, he showed us some good things last year playing guard, whatever. I mean, yeah, there's that clip, but I'm sure that there were things in practice. I'm sure there were things behind the scenes that they were seeing from Paris Johnson that made them think, oh, well we can do this. I mean, I don't think they would have put him in the where they did when they did, if they didn't hadn't seen it in, in their own reps internally before that. All right. I'll do one. Now this isn't the most obvious one. Cause my Zach Harrison buzzer was going off. And we're going to talk about the uh, Zach Harrison alert that went out in a good way. Um, but I want to talk about the receiver question that Steven asked, which is Steven asked about Ohio state has rotated six receivers through three spots in the past. Last year, we saw a system where basically Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson played almost every snap. You know, part of that is because they're great. Part of that is because you had a lot of true freshmen in a weird season who were their backups. What is it going to be now? Because you have the two veteran guys back, but the quality of the guys behind them, you assume has gone up just based on experience that Julian Fleming and G Scott and Jackson Smith, Dejigba have been around a little bit now. And the, there's a guy that didn't get asked about. It feels like there's a little there's a little social media push on this guy, or a little just like Cameron Babb is like they're putting out some Cameron Babb like looks ripped in offseason workout stuff that it feels like Ohio State is contributing to like a hey don't forget about Cameron Babb situation. Plus you have Jamison Williams. So Stephen asked about the six man. Would you go back to a six man rotation? And I thought this was one of those uh, Nathan where I thought Ryan Day like answered in a way that was like sort of like an anything can happen. Yeah. Sort of like we'll rotate as many guys as we think. Right. I mean, that was sort of the answer, but in the way that he kind of gave the non-answer, it kind of made me think it's like, well, you, you think we're taking Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave off the field very much. Like I it made me feel like that was more, I think he's, I think if you just read his words, 
he was like, yeah, rotation. But like how he put the words together and the way he said it, I was like, nah, I think they're playing Olave and Wilson basically as much as last year. Yeah, I mean, you could read what he said as, well, I mean, sure, if somebody steps up and proves themselves to be as good as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, we'll play them as much as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. But what are the chances you think that that happens? I think what was more telling was, remember, go back a year ago at this time, we weren't really talking that much about the receivers uh, other than the Garrett Wilson thing moving inside that came out on the first day of spring. But that was really the that was really the talk of the receivers when spring started last year because we sort of assumed, yeah, that freshman group is pretty talented. And those guys will, like, get some reps and they'll build over the offseason. It'll be interesting to see maybe which one's out in front or whatever. And then none of that got to happen. They, everything was messed up. And I think Ryan Day is astute when he brings that up because I think that did play into some of what happened as far as their usage last fall. However... The other important thing he said was we didn't get to have um, those second halves where you're, you're putting games away, things are out of uh, are under control, and those guys would get in and get more reps there. I think that's where you're going to see more opportunities for other guys. I don't, I, I'm, I'm skeptical like you that this is going to go back to some like full six-man rotation because it just doesn't make sense, as you said, to take the two best receivers in the country off the field very much or two of two of the best. Well, I mean, PFF has them ranked as the two best. So, like, big, big, I mean, yeah, but there yeah. is like a metric that it's like, you know, it's not just us saying the two best. Other people are saying it too. And it's like, well, well, you know, I guess if we had also the third and fourth best receivers, maybe that, but it's like, okay, well, you have the two. So I, that's, I think, where we are. I'm not going to, I'm not going to individually say they each are one and two. I'm saying the, the best combination of two guys for sure, though, I think right now. Oh, I think it's undoubtedly the best combination. And I think it is a, argument strong argument that they are individually the best two yes they're definitely the best combo nobody can argue that they're the best combo because i like i know if i don't know like if justin ross you know moving to the slot for clubs or whatever like him and who else i don't know like it's just it's these two guys all right you're next what do you want to bring up uh we should probably talk about the marcus hooker situation let's talk about marcus hooker Marcus Hooker was arrested last weekend. 10TV was the one who reported this first, was cited for another operating a vehicle while impaired infraction. People probably remember that he had one in the summer before his freshman season and ended up being suspended for that season opener in 2018. And I did he- not remember that. I don't know if there are fans at home who have a tracker of suspensions, but like I did not remember that because like when Marcus Hooker was suspended for that game, he, he wasn't a factor in the thing. So it's like, well, he was right. suspended, had no effect on the team. So it was a good reminder that this was not the first time he's been potentially involved in something like this. And I honestly didn't know about it until prior to last season, I was writing a piece about kind of the, the Josh Proctor, Marcus Hooker um, kind of in uh, crossroads. that was happening at that moment where it seemed like, Marcus Hooker was sort of seizing that moment and pulling ahead, which he did. I mean, he was the starting free safety to start the season. But I, I ended up finding out, or like coming back over that when I was reading back through some things. I think Bill Landis, when he was with us, was the one who broke that story from from the way it looked like at the time. And um, that kind of factored into how I wrote about that. Was like he was a guy who uh, not only was a low-rated recruit, but was in the doghouse to start his career. And look how far he's come back. He's pulled ahead, and he's going to be the starting free safety to start the year. And it's uh, it's unfortunate. I think he's obviously someone who who probably needs to be on football, um, has some things he has to deal with here, obviously. But uh, from a football standpoint, I, I if you know, assuming that these charges are legitimate, um, I, I'm, I, you have to question his future with his program at, at this point. 
tough spot on this. It's a charge. It's not right. It's a charge so far. You got to be careful. I think we've all learned from this. I mean, it's like you can't, you know. So a lot of the times, though, we're, we're not really dealing about with it from a legal standpoint because the reason anybody listening to this cares is from a football standpoint. And so the issue is, what does the football team think of it? And then as the football team makes a final decision and as they treat the players along the way, then we can check in and make sure we are reporting on, like, was the player treated fairly? Was were there other people involved that, that we need to take into a, you know, whatever. So we'll cover comprehensively, but I think, uh, you know, there's a time sometimes when you could be like, you know, ah, kid screwed up, kick him off the team. And it's like, I, th- I think we progressed past that enough to be like, okay, we're, we're very early in this. So let's not make sure we're going too far. And we're not, but the issue is that Ryan day talked about it on the zoom today. Ryan day did not seem happy about it. And for the moment, like he's, there is an issue with him and they're going to let it play out and then see, but I do think you're right. If this reaches the end point where this is real and confer whatever that, that probably, it seems like Ryan day, that would be a second strike for him and second strike and you're out. Well, and, and, but there's already some precedent here and it was a very different situation, uglier last year with Amir Reap and Jason went, Jocelyn went, but that wasn't even a second infraction, but because of the nature of it, the, the first infraction that came in very quickly, there, there was a separation there. They were no longer with the program. And Ryan Day said, even under an exoneration, because of the, the, the details of this case, they're not welcome back. So right. it, he, he has taken, at least publicly, the things that we know about ha- has taken a, a little bit harder line here. Um, I, I think in that case, that was really the only way to go with that. But there, there is some precedent here that he's setting as far as the expectations. But, but part of my point is that I think we are evolving a little bit where just because the cops charge you with something, that doesn't mean Correct. you did it. And that sometimes um, there's like a PR backlash for a program that like sometimes like they want to separate with a guy and that's it. And then whatever. Um, and that, but there's also like sometimes like, you know, and I'm not saying this happens, but there's always the possibility. It's like, well, that's not really what happened. You know, what is being alleged in the beginning is once you get investigating it. And I do think a lot of times, and this is like where a guy like Ryan Stamper comes in. And this is where like CJ Barnett comes in on stuff like this. It's like a lot of times there's a, the legal thing, which is what, I mean, that's the legal system, but the program itself will sort of do its own checking on things to see what they can find out about it and what the details are. The details matter. But again, as it stands now, and, as, and again, and I, and I don't apologize for this because it's one of those things, and I can go on a rant on this. No offense, but you guys only care about these guys because they play football. So sometimes people are like, well, I just hope this as a person, whatever. It's like, okay, I get that too. But there's a lot of people in the world that need help. There's a lot of people in the world that have issues that nobody on this listening to this podcast cares about. So you care about him because he's a football player. So we're going to talk about it like from a football standpoint. They're okay without him from a football standpoint. You know, as a human, I hope Marcus Hooker is, I hope it's fine. I hope this all gets worked out and I hope he can have whatever progress in his life and his football career in the most positive way possible. But that applies to every human on the face of the earth. And we don't talk about every human on the face of the earth on this podcast. We talk about football players. So if he's done, they're fine. Cause I think he wasn't going to be a part of this mix anyway, but it is a strange thing a year ago, a year ago, we were looking at practice through binoculars a year ago. We were, 
just checking. We're just making sure everything's good. And he was out there a lot. And in a year, a lot has changed. All right. I'm going to bring up my next thing. And this is I'm going to steal it from you because you brought up this guy. Because I'm going to save the Zach Harrison alert till the end, at least until after the break, because it was going woo, woo, woo. That's, I don't know. I like I think they asked does. they asked Doug to mute during the Zoom call while he was doing that, by the way. It was, yeah. it was really distracting. I was waving my finger in the air as I was doing my because I like the European ambulance sound. Doesn't everybody prefer the European ambulance sound to the American ambulance sound? It's a little cuter, although maybe that's not what you're looking for when you're looking for an ambulance sound, but it is a little different. But I also wonder maybe if everybody thinks that the ambulance sound that's not theirs is cuter because it's different, right? It's just, it's just something new rather than the one you get used to. So I guess the, the European one is more like, right? Is that right? It's a little uh, more like a fog. I've never, been to, I've never been to Europe. You've never been to Europe? And I've, I've never been uh, chased by the police or um, in a burning house in Europe. So, How many foreign countries have you been to? Um, the Bahamas, Mexico. I think that's it. You've been to Canada? No Canada? I have n- never been to Canada. I don't think Canada is still taking Americans right now, but you should go. You and uh, your wife should plan a lovely trip to uh, Niagara Falls. Not that far of a drive from here. It's a lovely little trip. She has been to Montreal, and I think we're going to go back. Uh, we, uh, she had good things to say about Montreal, and I've heard good things from other people. I'd like to go to like uh, Det- uh, Toronto sometime, too, or maybe even just to Windsor, do like a Detroit, Toronto, Windsor kind of thing. You just want to go gamble in Canada. I do. Here- I want to go play poker and uh, and whatever in Canada. So this is I I have done that. I don't know why. Because of a trip might have been when I was covering something in Michigan, but like I went to Canada to go because there's, there's a casino in Windsor. I think this was when it, casinos weren't as prevalent here in the states, and there was a casino like right over the border in Windsor, which is clearly like the hey dumb Americans give us your money here. But like it was like you go in with your American money, you have to change it to Canadian money, and they slam you on the exchange rate on the way in because they know you're a dumb American coming over the border. Then you lose your money, and then you have to like change it back to American, and like they slam you again. And so it's like I'm already bad at gambling, but now I'm going to go – to a foreign country so I can get slammed on the way in and on the way out. Buckeye talk by the exchange rate. Like, so I, like gambling in Windsor was not as glamorous as I thought it would be. And I mean, what sounds more glamorous than gambling in Windsor? <laughs> so I just, that's my slight, uh, that's my slight warning. And then also we went to see one direction in Toronto. And when we were going there, a dump truck, tried to go over a bridge and was too tall for the bridge and slammed into the bridge and like (laughs) knocked the bridge like off its moorings. And so everybody had to get off the highway and it's like the bridge into Toronto from America. Everybody had to get off the highway and go down like off this old little frontage bridge. That's like one tenth the size. And so we missed five seconds of summer. Who's the intro band. Pretty good little band, by the way for the one direction show we still it was at sky dome we still got to see one direction but we missed the whole intro band whole opening act because of this dump truck 
So just be careful. If you go to Toronto, be careful of dump trucks on bridges. I'm just trying to give you a little Canadian advice because my people are from Canada, as we've talked about many times during this podcast. Speaking of, I mean, my people came down from the sawmills in Quebec down into New Hampshire, where they mingled, where they mingled with the days, the Lamarises and the days just all hanging out together in Manchester, New Hampshire. And then here we are. That makes sense. Like a French Canadian name. I should have put that together. Yeah. Yeah. I am French Canadian. I am not French down from the sawmills. And that's why I'm the hardy young man that I am today. Court Williams. You asked about him. He's not going to be spring practicing. Ryan Day is talking about like individual stuff. So he's coming back uh, ACL for him, right? ACL in the preseason. Yep. And so again, it sounds like okay by August, like a year removed. Okay. By August, not taking part now, but Ryan Day said like, we have a spot for him. Like we have a safety spot for him. Does that mean that he was talking about the word without saying the word? And maybe they're not going to say the word anymore, but that's what he meant. Right. When we talk about what he was talking about, Court Williams. I asked a bad question. I mean, it was good to ask about his status, but the way, and then I asked, I think the way I phrased it was like, positionally, is he still kind of up in the air? And he's like, no, no, we've got a good spot for him. He's going to be a safety. I'm like, okay, but is, is Court Williams going to play free safety in this program? I'm still skeptical of that. He's so, not. Right. So, so that's what I was trying to get at. And I, I again, I, I think I asked it poorly. So when I get to ask Kerry Combs or Matt Barnes about it, I'll ask it better. But that, I, that does... I think the bigger story here is just that, um, that he thinks he and um, and Cam Brown both will be playing some kind of, will at least be able to come back for individual drills. They're not going to be involved in contact this spring. Uh, those are guys who are both coming off of, in, you know, surgeries within the last several months. So I don't know that neither of those guys are going to be out there undergoing contact this spring, but just to get those guys back for individual drills and get them progressing back towards having some sort of role for this fall, a healthy role where they can help this team, because I think this team needs them at the back end of this defense, especially what we're talking about now with, with Marcus Hooker being out. I know he wasn't going to be a big part, but it's just one more piece of depth that you're taking out of the equation of the back end of this defense and, and court Williams, it's a different position, but I, I think they, they, they like him enough and see down the road what he could be that. I think that development needs to needs to get going. It, it helps Ohio state in the long run. If he starts pushing towards a time where he can be on the field, because that's where his intangibles also will have the most impact. But that's not the most interesting thing. That's exactly what we thought, right? I mean, they had serious injuries and like, they're not going to be full go in spring. They'll be fine by August. The interesting spot is that he's talking about bullet without saying bullet. He's like, we have a spot for him. He's not a deep safety. It's like, they're saying that. So like how, again, it's the same freaking conversation, but how exactly does that fit? He's saying we have a spot in this defense that fits court Williams. So again, the specifics of what that means, is it two linebackers, the bullet, two deep safeties? Is it two linebackers, the bullet, one deep safety, three corners? It's the same conversation, but the whole point of this, Nathan, and when he said we have a spot for him is that when they got here, they said, we're going to play the bullet. And then they didn't really play the bullet for three years, two years. They just played Pete Warner. Or they played Baron Browning there. They did not use a bullet the way they talked about it. They didn't. But this is the guy, like, they recruited this guy to this position. So it's the idea of, does are do you the position that you think you recruited him to, that's sort of like Greg Madison's thing, and Greg Madison retired, like, is it still there? And now Kerry Combs is here, and it's not Halfley Madison, whatever. And, but Ryan Day was like, no, we've got a spot. But that's what I, that's what he meant, right? So then all I want to do is say, please draw it up, like draw 
the little things like where, okay. So if he's that, who are the other 10 people on the field with him and where does he line up? How deep is he? Is he lined up like a linebacker? He's not in a slot over like that's, but that was reaffirmation of this amorphous thing that we have spent too much of our collective podcast lives talking about. Ryan Day reaffirmed it today. That's what interested me. Yeah, and I guess you could even take that, that conversation to the next level and, and wonder if any part of it applies to Josh Proctor. And I think that's something that, that Stevens brought up too. Like, is that is that role? But they're different players. I think they're di- different players too. Um, but as you're just trying to assemble the guys at the back end of that defense on a given play, is, it, is that something that is – who else is that available to, I suppose, besides Court Williams as this season begins? So this is, uh, this is like 11 questions. You and I might have to line up how we're going to, if we each get two questions with Kerry Combs on Friday, we're each, you're going to ask the first question about this specifically. Then I'm going to follow up with my first question. Then you follow up with your second question. Then I'll follow up with my second question. My guess, tell me if this is wrong. God, I wish there's some other people here we can include in this football talk so we could mesh it out together. My guess is that the, if you said which player, which recent Ohio State football player is Court Williams most like, who do you think the answer to that question is? I'm, I struggle. I mean, he does seem a little bit unique, right? Because I, I mean, answer- I would go ahead. No, no, give, go ahead with your answer. Go ahead with your answer. Sorry. Well, because I don't, I don't think he's like Pete Werner, I don't think he's like Baron Browning. You may have – are you thinking someone bef- prior to that that you would compare no, it to? No, 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 no. I mean like in this system, in the last two years, since they started using the word bullet. Well, I think he, I think it is Pete Warner. You think it is Pete Warner? I, I think it's maybe not an exact match, and I think Warner's bigger. Warner is more like 235. Court Williams is listed more like 220. But I think it is Warner. But I think it's year one Warner in this system, not year two Warner. I think it's the right. Pete Warner – who played strong side linebacker, was the bullet, played a lot of tight end coverage, was not in the box doing linebacker stuff. And then Pete Warner was too good of a linebacker that they moved him into the box and had him do that stuff. I think it's, I think it's 2019 Pete Warner, not 2020 Pete Warner. I think it's 2019 Pete Warner, who was just like practically locked in coverage with Pat Fryermuth every snap in that Penn State game, right? but also is physical enough to play the run that you don't feel like, ah, we're moving like a little string bean safety down into the box. And now if they run, now we're in trouble, but we like his coverage skills. That's what I think it is. But then when they wanted to get Warner more freedom to run and chase and make tackles, they moved him to weak side. And then I don't think that's what Baron Browning quite was. Listen, there are people who are still saying right now, Baron Browning, it's at least one guy. Baron Browning might be the best outside linebacker in this draft. Again, all the stuff we said about how Baron Browning is going to be a better pro than in college, and they still never quite hit on Baron Browning, I think is going to turn out to be true. But I still don't think – that's what I think it is. And it's that, it's that they did play a bullet in 2019. It's just that the bullet was the strong side linebacker. I think that's what it is for Court Williams. And I think their personnel didn't exactly match the idea, and then they started recruiting to it. And so that's how I still imagine it. And I think he will be most like – what they imagined for that spot than anybody they've had so far. But I also don't think like, that's not what Josh Proctor is. Right. I mean, I, I just don't know that Josh Proctor is line him up at linebacker depth 
and have him cover tight ends all day and help against the run. Like, I, I don't think that's what Josh Proctor is. I think you're probably right. I think it's just a, the question is then, like, Proctor then has to go out and really, I think, prove to be the – we've talked about this before – prove himself to be the, that answer of free safety. And you might be right about that comparison at, with Werner. Uh, it's just I think we're eager to actually see that from Court Williams. Some of that, too, we, we everybody gets caught up in, well, this guy – had this label on him as a high school player. I mean, Pete Werner was a linebacker as a high school player, right? Yes. I think he, I mean, he was a, he was a linebacker recruiting prospect and court Williams was a safety recruiting prospect. So sometimes our, that, that conditions us as they're coming in, we have a, a predisposed notion of then so like this guy needs to do this to become this when in a lot of ways they are just the athlete they are. And those distinctions don't necessarily. No, but matter. I don't think that's true. Either. Well, I mean, but like you're in a position group in practice. They don't have a bullet position group. You know, they have inside linebackers, outside linebackers, safeties. It's all about. And that's when they were doing this bullet thing. We were trying to figure out at the start. And a lot of this stuff, it's like, are you and even like corner safety stuff? It's like, are you backpedaling are, in practice? Like, are you work? Like, what are you working on? And what groups? Because you work on different stuff. So, like, I want to see this. Is what We're not going to see. I guess we can ask Kerry Combs on Friday. Who does who is Court Williams practicing with? Is he practicing? Is Court Williams in the same group with Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom? Or is he in the same group with Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gant? Or is he in his own group? That's Court Williams and I don't know who. Another guy like that. Like, that's what I want to know because you work on different things. There are clearly, yes. Your label, what position you played in high school and what you're labeled in recruiting isn't a big deal. But most of the time it's right because the label, once you get here, you are labeled. You can't pretend. It's like they do different. The linebackers and the safeties don't do the same things. So who's he with? And if he's going with both groups, is it split equally? Is it drill to drill? Is it day to day? Is it week to week? How do you decide what's more important? That's what, this is where we're going to miss some eyeballs this spring. That's what I want to know about how Court Williams fits in here because, yeah, it's about where he lines up when you go 11 on 11, but what he works on in practice tells you what they believe his responsibilities are when he does line up. But And, and unfortunately, even if we could watch practice this spring, we wouldn't be able to see him. That's Even if we had those eyeballs there, he, he's not going to be involved. True. Um, I, I think what's – you bring up a really good point, though, and I don't know that we've ever really fully discussed it from this angle, but it's like – this idea of the bullet has been hanging there now for a couple years and Ohio state seems to keep recruiting towards it. You can see it even a little bit in some of the linebackers that they've signed for 2022 could those, or, or have commitments from for 2022. Like could those guys fit into that sort of position and can that position really take off as a part of this defense? If you only ever have one of them, like don't you kind of need multiple of those guys so you can do what you're talking about which is maybe give them their own protocol and practice their own you, you know what i'm saying like you almost do need more of them so that you can really explore that because i think if they're bouncing around maybe you aren't getting the, the full commitment to that position that you want we're back we're back. We're That's back. a little present for you. That's we're a little back having the same spring present. It is. It's like we're asking. It's 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 like a hybrid. It's like we're trying to breed a rhinoceros and a and a giraffe. And we're like, oh, how can you have a horn and a long neck? What are they going to do? And it's like, it's not. It's just a. 
it's just a wildebeest. It's not half a rhino, half a giraffe. It's a thing that already exists, you know? So like, I don't know. Um, I'm confused about what they may or may not be doing. So I think those are, I think those are the I think that's the interesting way to bring this up to to the staff when we talk to them is to I, because that's if you're really developing guys for that position, can you really do it with a guy that's just bouncing around or do you have to like pick that identity and then like have, but then which coach like which coach coaches the bullets? Are you well, yeah, the linebackers, still kind of the linebackers do, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Parker Fleming can coach him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he's the special teams coach, but I, but he can't be. That's when you're the special teams coach, you can't only do special teams. And they had a time, right? I mean, because you only do special teams certain periods. So they they used to have, I mean, again, for the first two years here, Al Washington and Greg Madison split the linebackers up. There was like inside and outside linebackers at certain times, and they would split those guys up in practice. So I am curious to see how that goes. Now that you have Kerry Combs, who's a secondary guy, Matt Barnes, who's a secondary guy, Parker Fleming, who's like an special teams is an offensive guy. So will Al have, I don't know, like that almost interests me. Like almost that's again, I wish we could see that, but maybe that's something we can ask Kerry Combs on Friday, like how they're splitting these guys up. Right. So put that on our list for our third follow-up question on Friday. All right, we'll take a quick break on Buckeye talk. and We'll be right back talking more about what Ryan day had to say on Wednesday as we head toward the start of Ohio State's spring football practice. Back on Buckeye Talk, Dougley Maurice and Nathan Baird. Again, the big quarterback breakdown coming on Buckeye Future Fridays on the tomorrow on tomorrow's pod. Because um, the future's here, but we haven't seen them play. None of them have thrown a pass. So the future part of that, Nathan, still holds true because they are physically here but we have no idea what they look like throwing a football in a college football game. So I think it is very reasonable to give our deep dive breakdowns on Kyle McCord, CJ Stroud, and Jack Miller going into this competition on what is normally the recruiting podcast for you and Steven. Yeah. And I, I you know, we didn't get a lot of insight necessarily today, obviously from where these guys stand, because it's still just so very early in the process, but I did want to, and I'm glad uh, I think Bill Rabinowitz, he always accuses me of stealing his questions. He stole mine today because I was going to kind of ask about the process and we didn't again, get a lot of, uh, you know, details about like how they're going to day by day evaluate these guys. But uh, Ryan Day's kind of overriding thought on it was they can't get too wrapped up in the day to day. These guys can't come in each day worried a little too much about, Am I first or second or second or third? Like if you get that wrapped up in it on a day-to-day basis, that's probably going to be counterproductive. He kind of emphasized the the process of the whole thing and emphasized a lot of things that are maybe more intangible over just who completed more passes in a, a drill that day or whatever. And we'll get into that on that pod, but I do think it's interesting, like, like Urban Meyer, and again, it's different, but Urban Meyer in quarterback competitions in the past was very big on like, we're going to chart every single thing they do. So at the end, when we say this guy won, we're going to have data behind it. Like, we're not just gonna, you know what I mean? Like we're going to chart completions in practice. I think that's mostly it, but I, I don't know what else I did. I'm sure I was like good decisions and like whatever, you know, how urban was urban, urban really wanted, I think, hard data, which is why he cared about recruiting rankings, because it's just a data point. It's you don't and you don't make a decision or value yourself worth based entirely on any single data point. But if you gather every bit of data you can, you 
paint a pretty comprehensive picture. And that was very important to him. Man, this is, I feel like I should ask Ryan there this question. That was very important to him in that kind of thing, in a, in a quarterback evaluation, you know? And I'll be curious to see how much Ryan Day is like that or not like that, you know, that I'm sure they, they chart all this stuff anyway. But are you charting it to judge the competition, right? Or are you just charting it to chart it because it informed you, whatever? Like it matters, but how much does it matter? So I'll be curious to see. But what that's that's for the quarterback podcast. So we're, we're going to talk today every Monday through the spring is what they've told us. So I would okay. imagine that every every Tuesday will be uh, every Tuesday pod for our listeners will probably be somewhat there'll at least be a segment about what just came out of what we heard from Ryan day on the, on Monday morning. And I'm, I would say that Monday, that's going to be one of my first and only questions for him is just to get some more insight on exactly how, what goes into an evaluation, like what, how uh, granular are, is he getting on and, and how is that, how's that data compiled and how does it, how is it processed? Right. I did court Williams do a couple more. What else you want to talk about? The dead air, when you edit it, <laughs> do you shrink the dead air spots or of no? Course. When you edit. Okay. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what else we talked about. Did now. you take the, uh, look at your own text? So, text I'm, I'm looking at the notes. I'm looking at my two notes. Two weeks free trial. Good time to start. Nathan Bear was texting out live. It's like, we don't wait. I think this is important. We're not going to just waste it on Twitter, but we don't wait until the end and then recap. We text you as Ryan Day is talking with our analysis and what's going on. So, Nathan sent out like four texts while Ryan Day was talking. And if you want to be part of that, it goes right in your phone, 614-350-3315 for 14-day free trial. What else What else did you text, Nathan? Here's actually something I didn't text about, but when Ryan Day was asked about you know which position battles besides quarterback he was most intrigued by, he gave some of the, the obvious answers, but then one that he brought up that he thought w- was significant, and I just happened to have written about it for the site in my sort of spring preview thing, was the tight end situation. You have Jeremy Rucker coming back as like a clear cut among the best tight ends in the country, but because Ohio State has so extensively used two tight ends, and it sure sounds like Ryan Day wants to keep incorporating that in some capacity, the answer as to who this team's second tight end is right now, I think, is very much up in the air. And I think it's one of the questions that they really want to have answered, or at least close to answer by the time you get to the end of this spring. You would hope, I think they probably hope, that someone like, you know, last year, the only other guy besides those three, the two that left, Luke Farrell and, and Jake Hausman and, and Jeremy Ruckert, the only one who played more than a couple of snaps was Mitch Rossi, who was a walk-on and another guy who has kind of been a multi-positional um, use as needed guy. So they really need to find out if is, and I think he's still around. He was shown, he was a senior last year, but he was shown in some of their social media stuff. So as far as I know, he is still with his program coming back for one of those super senior years, although not tracked as much because since he is a walk-on, but who like, is it him that is he, that is he good enough? Is someone else going to step up and kind of uh, either one of the two freshmen from last year, um, someone step up and, and assert themselves and take that second spot. What are you talking about? We, we just had like the most important offensive players to raise their game thing. It's Cade Stover. Yeah. Like he didn't say, I mean, he didn't even I... mention Cade Stover here. It's Those Cade Stover. Part. I mean, like it's going to be, well, Cade is it Stover. or is it like, we'll see. Of course it is. We don't know it, but it's definitely, it's, it's Cade Stover's like a top 150 national recruit in his third year. 
You mentioned Mitch Rossi and the two freshmen. It's Kate Stover. It's just a brain fart. I know who Kate Stover is. I wrote about him today. But I'm saying that we don't we don't know that he's the guy. He wasn't. But the do you guy. think I mean, that's he, interesting? You think it's interesting? You think Mitch Rossi might beat out Cade Stover? Oh, I think the repercussions of that are interesting. If Ohio State still wants to play two tight ends a lot, and if they can't, if they don't find that second guy, then it changes what this offense does this fall, don't you but think? But do you think that they're not? Do you think Cade Stover is not going to be able to be the backup tight end, the second tight end? I think that's something that he has to he has to show. I mean, you you keep talking about like, oh, he's a top 150 recruit. I can show you other guys who are Uh, higher than that, who have no real role on this team. Usually because they're blocked by other guys. Listen, he's got a huge opportunity right in front of him and he's a good football player. I I, I think Ryan Day is not going to say. Right. I mean, like, of course, he brought that up. I mean, we've talked about Cade Stover as one of the most important guys in the spring, like for a month. But I don't think it's like some like huge mystery like like i'm assuming kate stover is going to be fine now how good exactly whatever but like he's definitely the guy right i mean like he's first up in the competition with some degree of belief that he has a very good chance of doing what needs to be done right or do you just you just wrote about it you said do you disagree with that do you think this is like a wide open question or is it a clear hole with a clear leading contender as I wrote about today, I don't think there's any question that Cade Stover is a Big Ten football player. I think the question is whether he's ready to be Ohio State's number two tight end yet, a guy who is still relatively new to that position. So I think that's the question that will get answered this spring. I think they but but again, as with any position, you know, I, it's, I think the development of those freshman guys is important, too, because it's a, they, they need a long term answer. This is a very transitional year for that position. When you lose Houseman, you lose Farrell. You could have easily lost Rucker, too, but him coming back is significant because without him, they would really be looking at a, a huge question mark this year. And then he is gone next year. So you're going to be turning to Stover, the two freshmen, the two guys that they have signed or committed for, for 2022. Um, this is a position that's, that's really after three year, two, three years now of a lot of stability, it's now turning over into um, a, a lot less certainty. Do you think that if Rucker would have left, they would have gotten a transfer portal tight end? I, that's a good question. I honestly, because he came back, I didn't like look at the transfer portal that closely yeah. as far as tight ends. I don't know who was out there. I brought this up in the text a couple weeks ago. Somebody had asked about like, well, why didn't they go get another good cornerback out of the from the transfer portal? I'm like, did you look at the transfer portal? Because there weren't any. Like there weren't. Right. There aren't necessarily. People need to remember that. Like the the guys in the transfer portal a lot of times aren't necessarily going to be better than like when I was talking about defensive backs. I was like. Is there really guys in the transfer portal who are better than Cam Brown? Like, or, or, right. or even like Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Rand? Like, that's what you're asking for. You're asking for, you know, go back and look at those recruiting rankings or go back and look at what guys have done in their careers. Like, a lot of times it's guys of that level who go somewhere, don't get a job somewhere else. You think they're going to come to Ohio State and necessarily play? The, people got a little bit spoiled by the Jonah Jackson, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon home runs that just kept getting well, hit. But, but so, but here's the thing. Ohio State is like a pinch hitter in the transfer portal, but every time they go to the plate, they hit a home run. So it's like, oh, they've been spoiled. They haven't missed. What's a miss? What hasn't worked in the modern transfer portal era for Ohio State? They've gotten a starter every time and like a really good starter. So I don't I don't think it's dismissive. So on one hand, I don't like living in the transfer portal. I don't think a school like Ohio State should depend on the transfer portal. So I think we probably all agree with that. But if you're in a pinch, right, if Ruckert would have left, right, and maybe it had a little recruiting hole, 
And the other thing that I don't know how it works, Nathan, is like, would a tight end have magically appeared in the transfer portal if he got the sense that Ohio State might be needing a starting tight end? And well, maybe a, he didn't a, go in the portal because there was nowhere worth transferring to. But, I think that's oh, a smart question to ask. Like you raised the level of the transfer portal by stepping to the plate. So I, I don't think we should be dismissive. Listen, I don't like it. We said that's, that. That's a better way to look at it. Yeah. But we shouldn't be dismissive of the fact that if they go there, they probably will find somebody pretty good because they're kind of batting a thousand. And let's not also forget, like people have asked us these transfer portal questions on the text and um, the transfer portal ain't closed. We still got spring football going on at places all over the country. So it's possible someone shakes loose as you get farther spring. Trey Sermon had not transferred here at this point last year. That's why it was important though, that, you know, that he probably, I think he may have ended up coming here anyway, who knows, but the, the, the injury to master Teague on the first day of spring really um, what do you want to say? Exasperated the urgency the Ohio State had to go find someone like him. No, I think they were in the on-deck circle with the donut on the bat thinking about maybe pinch hitting. And then when Master T got hurt, they were like, we got to make yep. the change right now. So, um, okay. So let's talk about Zach Harrison now because my buzzer went off. I don't know if it's an alarm or a buzzer. It's probably more an alarm than a buzzer because it wasn't, Meh. no, it wasn't. Bzzz. It was more like, woo, woo. We actually have sound effects that we have available to us that we could actually use, but I'll just keep doing things with my mouth. <laughs> Buckeye talk. <laughs> you're like that. <laughs> you're like that guy from the police Academy movies. It just does all the Michael uh, Winslow, the Michael Winslow. Um, do you use an alarm? clock? What do you, what buzzer do you use for your alarm clock? I don't wake up. Uh, I, I don't, my phone, I'm having some trouble with my phone. I like to wake up to a song on your, do most people set now their phone to a song, but I don't know. I, I hit snooze and fall back asleep. Like literally every day. I don't know what my, what my thing is, but I like to usually listen to a peppy song. Is that normal? What do you wake up to? I just use, um, whatever sort of little built in, uh, songs are on the iphone so like their tones or whatever i don't but i don't have like an alarm sound like that screeching grating alarm sound that we had to grow up with for years and years and years so there was back when people like it was like the beginning of uh of people like started doing like ringtones with songs and stuff i spent like three years trying to figure out how to have the doug song from the hangover be my ringtone so that whenever my phone rang, it would go, Doug, Doug, Dougie, Doug, Doug, Doug. And like, I never, I have not gotten it to work yet. It's my dream to have that when my phone rings, my phone literally sings my name to me. It's made for me and I still can't figure it out. And it makes me feel like the oldest man in America, that and the Grammys. They make me feel like the oldest man in America. And I, I don't, I can't, I just don't, I REM didn't win any Grammys this year. So I'm out. I'm just the oldest, whitest guy in America. And I sometimes often wish I wasn't, but I am. And so my ringtone is not my name. You know, people have to release new music in order to win a Grammy. I don't really know how it works. I don't really know how it works. There were a bunch of people singing country songs and like sitting around like they were at a bar at the Grammys and I didn't understand any of it. And that was great. And I know Beyonce broke a record and congratulations to her, but I just could not be older. I could not be an older, lamer person. Zach Harrison, 
I thought it was real. I just checked with somebody real quick uh, after Ryan Day had good things to say about Zach Harrison today. And I just got a response that like he is locked in on bringing out his best self. I think that is great to hear. Um, and I thought it was a big deal. Nathan, as I, as I texted to our subscribers, I always think it matters when a coach brings up a guy in his own and he's not asked about him. He just brought up Zach Harrison. He brought up Zach Harrison as like the guy who has impressed in the off season in a way that he did not talk about anybody else. And I think there are always two things at play when a coach does that one is he's trying to like give a guy some confidence that maybe he feels like this guy's having a tough time or just does is better than he thinks, you know, is a better player than he believes he is. And a coach, a smart coach, and all these guys are smart about this stuff. They say to themselves, I'm going to give this guy some public praise so that he knows that like we're behind him. Right. I think that could be a play or sometimes a guy just gets after it and everybody notices. And if you asked anybody in this program, Hey, Ryan Day. Hey, Kerry Combs. Hey, Mickey Marotti. Hey, Kevin Wilson. Hey, Thayer Munford. Hey, Dallas Gant. You ask anybody who's getting after it this offseason, it might be one of those things where everybody would say Zach Harrison, right? Because sometimes that happens, and it's like, whoa, everybody's working hard. That guy is doing something at a different level. I would guess one of those two are at play here, Nathan, with the way that Ryan Day talked about Zach Harrison today. And my guess is this is that, that it's the second one that my guess is that Zach Harrison, a monster recruit at a position where Ohio state has produced great players. He has been a good football player for two years. My guess is that this off season, he has made it very clear to everybody that he is looking like a guy who's ready to make a leap. And Ryan day was just saying the obvious when we talked to him for the first time in a month and a half, what did you make of what Ryan Day said about Zach Harrison? Yeah. I mean, I suppose the third thing in that hypothetical is that sometimes coaches will say things to kind of put things out there that players then have to live up to um, sort of challenging them publicly in a way, even if they're doing it from a, a position of like praise, but I think you're right. I think it's more like the, the way that you initially read it that, you know, I, I was it made me think back to last season, preseason, we were talking to Larry Johnson, and I think I was the one who asked him something about Zach Harrison. And I, again, one of those things where you're trying to read between the, the lines a little bit, and he said something along, well, something about like, um, everything is possible for, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but just like, you know, Zach can be as good as he wants to be one of those things, but it wasn't necessarily, when you look back on it, is he saying Zach Harrison can do anything he wants right now, or Zach Harrison can be, there's something out there for him to reach still something out there for him to still aspire to. And maybe we saw a little bit of that last season. I know it was a weird season, a weird year. Um, and, and the way that, that Jonathan Cooper kind of emerged in a way that we weren't expecting probably affected some things, but I, I, it made me look back and parse those words in a little bit of a different way to say that they were seeing that what they see from Zach Harrison now is different, maybe from a commitment standpoint. That was even some of the things that Larry Johnson, I think was talking about at that time, that there was still, that he was still in the process of kind of maturing and getting to where he needed to be in terms of just what Ryan day is now saying, which is that maybe he is just like all in from a, a, a beyond just relying on his physical tools that maybe he's taking it up to that next step. It goes back to 
what I still remember, I thought it was one of the most interesting and important things that Urban Meyer said in seven years here is one of the things that stuck with me and that it's the first two years are on the coaches and the third year it's on the player. And that after two years, it's like, we've developed you. We've taught you how to work. We've, we've taught you the game of football. We've developed your technique and now it's time for you to go. And now it's in your hands to decide what kind of player you're going to be. And if that's what's happening, right. And, and I don't know, nobody here is saying that like Zach Harrison didn't work hard enough. Right. I mean, I, and he's been a good football player. He's been, I saw another like PFF rating the other day that like Zach Harrison is a good football player. He is up there in some stats and like, we know, okay, whatever. He played a lot and he played very well. But if that's what's happening, this is the whole thing. When, when I had him number one and the Texters had him number one on the list of defensive players to raise their game this year, if it's a leap that's coming, if it's a leap to the Ohio state defensive end standard, which is the highest standard, I would argue potentially at any position in college football, what standard, who has a standard? Maybe it's Oklahoma. Well, that's sound, okay. Write this down. Who's got a pen. The best positions in college football is there are, are there two get a pen. There's two that stand out. Oh, I I don't know how to work it. There's two that stand out. Are there not two that stand out head and shoulders? Ohio state defensive end, Oklahoma quarterback, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. And we can get into transfer, whatever. I get it. I'm just talking about when you play that position, the modern day standard is not, oh, you're good. The modern day standard is like, you are the best guy in the country at your position. And it has a huge effect on your team. I I, I don't know. That's And again, that's, we need a top 10 list of this. Ohio state might have more than one position on this list. And, And I'm trying to think like, who would be the running back? team and this is not about like dbu lbu i know people get excited about that but i'm trying to think about like when you play that position the 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 standard of play is it wisconsin wisconsin like tackle i mean i think so again wisconsin running back i was saying oh wisconsin running back maybe yeah no and, and i would almost be interested in like the last let's say playoff era i think the playoff era is a good is a good spot to draw some lines right that it's Kind of was like a new thing in college football. So Wisconsin running back, I don't think Wisconsin Wisconsin running back is not as high as Ohio State defensive end, though, when you're no, talking no, about that no. you produced all Americans and a Heisman finalist and guys who are the number two, number two, and number three picks in the NFL draft, right? So that's what we're talking about here with Zach Harrison, which I think you and I have had some discussions about like what's fair, what's real, do you expect that? Is it what whatever? But that's why I got fired up about this, Nathan, because Zach Harrison has a foundation. Zach Harrison played good football for this team last year. He was not the best defensive end on the Ohio State team last year. So until you you can't be at the Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa level until you're at least the best defensive end on your own team. But now this makes me think that there's a greater chance of this happening. I thought there was a pretty good chance of it happening anyway. But as I look for things, I said, it's not Garrett Wilson to the slot kind of early spring. Doug is like jumping out of his seat. I practically hugged Ryan Day at the podium last year about that. And that's the thing about Steven. Listen, I mean, like, that's I get it. I think the love between Steven and Garrett Wilson is real. I think it's genuine and I think it's important and I think it should be honored. But 
the guy who went bazonkers the first time Ryan Day said Garrett Wilson and slot was me. So I don't think Garrett picked me. I got the opening, the opening rose. I got the first rose when we got out of the limos. And then after a while, Garrett was like, no. And Garrett picked Steven. And I'm okay with that. But I got the rose in the first one. So my, and it mattered. And it was true. And I remember back then, Nathan, there were some people who were like, ah, they move all over the place. Ah, it's not that. That's what they did. He was a slot receiver last year. I'm like putting my stake in the ground for like Zach Harrison, all American season now that I'm going to, I'm preparing myself to look back and say, remember when the first time we talked to Ryan day about the 2021 season, he brought up Zach Harrison for no reason. That was the beginning of Zach Harrison having 13 sacks and being an all American. Like that's what I'm preparing for here. You're not always right about this stuff, but I, I am not at all dismissing this as like just another thing that a coach said two days before spring started. When I was the one, if people go back a couple of weeks when we were talking about, uh, maybe it was that, you know, uh, most important defensive player, uh, however we phrased it for that episode. Um, I was the one who was like, well, maybe, maybe Zach Harrison's just really good. Maybe he's not actually great. Maybe he's not actually at that level. And maybe it's, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily even anything he had done. Maybe he just wasn't going to live up to the expectations that were put on him. And he was simply just going to be a really strong defensive end, which he even was at times last year. But part of the thing was we weren't seeing it on the field, but then also I, sometimes the words do matter. And I don't think we were hearing something like what we heard today from Ryan day. I think you're right that the timing of this and how unsolicited it was is, is a good sign for Zach Harrison. So something to definitely have in the back of our minds for the next six months. All right, we'll talk about why Ryan Day was in such a good mood, and then we'll wrap it up next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarice, Nathan Baird. Nathan, anything football-related you still want to add? Do we cover all the big hits from Ryan Day on Wednesday? This is, I mean, it's one of these things. Like, We don't want to overstate things, but we just did overstate things. I don't think we did overstate it, but it's like we haven't talked to Ryan Day about football in like since like early February, I think it is. So like this is a big deal. This is like – this is – Last year is over. This is like the beginning of this year. We talked to him on signing day, the last signing day. And now here we go. It's football talk again. So this matter, we want to make sure we cover the bases. Did we get everything? You know, the, the one thing that I thought was interesting, we can just touch on it. Maybe it's the first time we've had a chance to ask him about the Al Washington situation. Hmm. And uh, I thought he gave an interesting answer where he, he came. The first thing he said was, uh, first of all, I didn't appreciate the fact that this was public and how it all went down, which was not a shot at the media. So who was that's a shot, a shot at? at? I think it was directed, not a shot, but because I'm sure he said it uh, privately too. But I, I don't you think that whoever is negotiating on behalf of Al Washington was possibly in? Because I don't think Tennessee would have wanted it necessarily public either, right? Why not? Why wouldn't Tennessee how did it help, want it? How did it help them? Cause I was debating this with somebody else. I initially read it as a shot. Cause it's a shot. I mean, we can pretend it's not a shot. This is as shoddy as Ryan day gets. Yeah. What was the, what was the thing before? Was it the vote thing? He had something this past season where it was like, Ooh, that counts. So this was something he didn't have to say that. That's the first thing he said. The second and third things were about how he and Al Washington are like brothers. And when he hired Al Washington, he told yes. Al Washington he wants him to be a coordinator. He wants him to be a head coach. But that's not the first thing he said. He didn't say, I love Al. Al is awesome. We're so happy to have him back. By the way, I wish it hadn't been public. 
He started. This was handled the wrong way, basically, is his point. So I initially read that as like, hmm, that's like a little message to Al Washington or Al Washington's agent, right? And then someone else said, no, that's probably a shot. It's at Tennessee for like, why did you leak this Tennessee? But you're saying that like, what did it do? How did it help Tennessee to leak it? I guess is this is how it would help Tennessee to leak it. Because clearly, how do I say this? Ryan Day wasn't happy. If Tennessee poisons the waters a little bit, so it's it's not only it's not just a hundred percent love of Ryan Day and Ohio State towards Al Washington. They're a little ticked off, and you need every little edge because you think it's an uphill fight because you're already giving the guy a title bump and more money, and he's still not sure, right? You still he didn't say yeah I'm coming. You leak it to get it out there. And then I don't know if you're trying to shame him into taking your job of like, all right, well now it's out there. I guess I got to go. I guess I would see a side to Tennessee leaking it. There's definitely a a part of them after the fact to leak it, to be like, Hey, look at now on one hand, it might be like, man, they got turned down by a lot of people. On the other hand, it's like, man, look at how high we shot. We tried to get this guy from Ohio state. They just played for the national title. We're going all out. Look at us. We're Tennessee. We're shooting for the stars. Right. So, so no doubt that Ryan Day was sending a message, some doubt about who it was to. I guess I'll still, I initially thought it was more Al Washington and Al Washington's agent. Then I thought, no, it's more Tennessee. After this other person said that, I guess I'll still land on a little more Tennessee, but now you've brought me back again to that. It might be, maybe it's everybody. In the situation that Tennessee is in, I know it's a coaching turnover there, so you give maybe the new guy the benefit of the doubt. But when you are when the when the dumpster is just fully engulfed and you, you're trying to put it out, I just feel like it doesn't help you a lot to be the one leaking the name of guys that you don't end up hiring. Because now, I mean, then your fan base and more importantly, the guy you hire next knows for a certainty that they were second, third, whatever on that list. Yeah, but that happens all the time. I mean, that's okay. I don't know. That, that, like that guy, guy that they hired the Penn State guy. He still got his money. He still got the title bump. He's good. Yeah. You can't get your feelings hurt because you weren't the first choice. They hired. It's all, it's all okay. So you think it was more, if not Al Washington, Al Washington's agent that Ryan Day was sending that message to. And it could be a combination of both. It could be a combination of, um, you know, because it wasn't like once it leaked out, from what we can tell, Al Washington was like, well, I – I'm not going to go be a part of that at Tennessee now because you leaked it. Like it still dragged on after that for a while. Right. So yeah, it could just be a message to like, Hey, there's a right way and a wrong way to handle this. Uh, both, both parties maybe could have handled it better. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. Cause Ryan day is not super like that. I mean, he's not like a, he doesn't seek controversy. He's like Dabo. I don't think Dabo cares what people think of him. So he'll just say anything maybe for good and for bad, as we've talked about. I mean, I think he would stand behind it, but he'll, he doesn't hold back. I don't think Ryan Day is like that. I think Ryan Day cares what people think, whatever. So, like, this is calculated. He thought he might get asked about it, and he knew he wanted to say this. So he didn't have to. So the fact that he said it is interesting. But it, I was about to say, it was the way it was asked, and I'm trying to think who asked the question. Was it Dave Biddle? I can't no, remember who asked the question. Landis. Was it? Okay. Okay. Um, the way I think he asked it was putting out like he, he prefaced the question by saying it was, it was very 
public that you guys went through this Tennessee's courtship of, I don't remember exactly, but he definitely brought up the, the, the public aspect of it. So maybe if he hadn't asked the question in that way, maybe Ryan Day doesn't jump on it the way he did. But he, doesn't, but he, he still he, controls his answer. He still could not, he could right. have ignored that part of the question because we can't pretend this doesn't happen. My God, that's, that's the other part of this sometimes is interesting to me. It's like guys leak to various degrees, but it's like a lot of times, whether it's politics or sports or anything, entertainment, people will be like, oh, these leaks. And it's like, okay. Right. I mean, everybody leaks. I mean, I got in a public fight with Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson is like, leaves leaks. And it's like, stop, stop. Like everybody does it. Good for us that everybody does it. But like, we also can't pretend this isn't a game. There's not to like get a bigger salary, get a promotion, get a new job game that literally is baked into how the coaching world works. So it's like some things are more public. And I was going to say, oh, well, well, Ryan Day almost took the Tennessee Titans job. But I don't know that we knew about that to the degree until it was over and he had stayed, right? That he wasn't, right? there wasn't necessarily a public negotiation of, is he going to go? Is he going to stay? It was like, they gave him a million dollars. And after he stayed, Ohio State said, oh, he had an offer to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I got to double check on that. But I was going back and listening to the, the National Signing Day press conference where Urban Meyer talked about some of that stuff from that year. And yep. I, I think you're right. I think there were some details that he divulged that day about, because I think you or somebody else had asked the question about the, the salaries, the, the, the first million dollar salaries. And he was explaining why they had to go to that route. And it was because of that, which I don't think were things that were to that extent, public knowledge yet. And I don't know when he said, and I think it was also that day that Ryan Day could have left to be an SEC head coach. That felt like news to us that day. And then it was after the fact you figured out, it was like, oh, it's the, it's the Mississippi State job that Joe Moorhead took. So that, that felt new. That wasn't like, oh, yeah, we all knew that. So maybe Ryan Day feels like, hey, man, I've been in this spot before and I haven't been very public with this stuff. you got to keep this in-house as we work it out, right? So, And if, by the way, if somebody was asking a head coach about assistant coaches being overpaid, I'm sure it was me. All right. I, I assume you're right. I assume. I don't know. Nobody else cares. Everybody else is like, can we win a football game? Who cares? Doug, who cares? It's not your money. Shut up. Which I think is the standard answer that people want to give to me, fans and, and coaches alike. So Ryan Day must like St. Patrick's Day. It is St. Patrick's Day as we record this. Ryan Day at the end of the call said we wanted to make sure that we got a question in from Pat Murphy from Bucknuts, who, like you, is a, is a redhead with a beard. Unlike you, he had on green on St. Patrick's Day. You do not have on green. Uh, And his name is Patrick Murphy. And so he got an extra question at the end because he is. Has a quite quite a few Irish attributes, both in uh, how he looks and what he wore and what his name is. Um, Ryan Day must like it. Did you not think Ryan Day was in a very good mood? He was joking about basketball. Stephen is writing a little basketball story about Ryan Day because he put out some. some stuff about what a good high school basketball player he was, which we knew when he's playing a little two on two with the players right now, or is is Ryan day just excited about spring football being around the corner, Nathan? I thought this was a very jocular Ryan day, which is lovely to see. I think there's a lot of things that probably have him in a good mood right now. He's getting the COVID vaccine on Friday. You would assume that his coaches and players will be getting the vaccine. The ones that want it, they're not going to make it mandatory, but everybody who wants it will be getting it soon. And so I think that um, being able to finally, they hope, be out of the woods of things like what they experienced last week and having to do another pause, like finally getting 
beyond the pandemic and kind of the cloud of that that's been hanging over the sport now for a year. I think that contributes to the mood he was in. Um, and again, every spring, though, it's, it's all promise, right? Like you, you, you just had a great season and now you, you're getting ready to embark on uh, building the next one. And I think he probably is. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this this team. And uh, he's probably, uh, as the rest of us in some ways, you know, fascinated to see who ends up winning this quarterback job, who ends up uh, emerging from this running back situation where he said he kind of wants to have a clearer picture by the end of the spring. Um, there's a lot of things out there that we don't know the answer, but the end, the final answer has the potential to be a really um, positive one for Ohio State. We actually have to double back on something now that you brought up the running backs because we haven't talked about them yet. It's okay. We need, we need to cover this stuff with everybody. Um, short answer, and this we're gonna, we'll get into it on the Friday, Buckeye Futures Friday, which is about the current quarterbacks. These are your only two options, and we can get into nuance on the next pod. No nuance here. Which one more accurately describes Ryan Day's mood and approach to the Ohio State quarterback competition? He is excited about it. He is dreading it. I think excited. He's a quarterback guy. He gets to pick a quarterback. Like this is like, I think this is, this is like if you're a car guy and you're going to the lot and it's like, I got a lot of money in my pocket and do I want a Mercedes or a BMW or a Prius? Cause I, I just, I just love a good Prius. I don't know cars. I like blue cars. So I like know that, you don't have, I know you're not buying a BMW. What? Cause I'm poor. Is that what you mean by that? Or cause I'm, I'm I don't know uh, a lot of sports writers driving BMWs around. No, I'm not poor. I'm just not rich. We're just regular people, just like you, Buckeye talk. So like that, that's what he is. Like if you like, if you like cars, you want to go buy a new car because you're a car expert. You know what horsepower is. You know who has automatic locks. I don't know what, what are bells and whistles that are on cars these days? Who has both AM and FM AM radios? <laughs> Like you're excited, you're. But if you're not, but you also, if you have to go buy a car and you don't know that much about cars, and you're like, I don't know how to pick a car. Like I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna pick the wrong one. I guess they're all good, but am I gonna get a good deal? Am I gonna like drive off the lot and have everybody go, my God, I can't believe you picked that car instead of that one. That one's fine, but this one is much better because I'm not an expert. Man, he is a car expert for this thing. Well, and more to the point, he didn't. It's not like he's going to his local dealership, his local Chevy or Lexus or BMW or Ford dealership, and picking from the cars that are there. He went to every dealership in the country, whittled it down to three, brought them here to the parking lot, and now he's going to test drive them for several months and decide which ones. Well, he's actually going to keep all three, but he's going to decide which one he drives more than the others. I suppose that's the other way to look at it. But like, money's no object is for him. Uh, figuratively and probably literally at this point, but figuratively, like he, like that's not an issue. It's just which one he likes the best, which one will perform the best, and he's he's got that choice in front of him. And I think I think you're right. I think partially because he is a, was a quarterback, um, and is kind of that. This is what a quarterback does. He talked about it today. Like you got to know how do you respond when the the question comes up on the, the test, or you, who knows the answer to the test before it shows up, whatever. Like that's kind of how a quarterback has to process things. And that's, that's the mindset he takes into this. And now, now we did actually start the Friday pod ahead of time. That was my fault. I said, we're going to just 
do it quickly. That's a good point. It's a good little tease. Do you think that we could get like the the person at Cleveland.com who draws our cartoons to do like a little Pixar thing where we have like like the Lightning McQueen kind of guys, but we are able to have their the faces of the cars look like CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Jack Miller and have like Ryan Day sort of standing there in a lot like he's assessing the cars and they're all bright and shining and smiling and the cars have faces. You asked. I mean, I've I've not spoken to this. uh, See what you do, cartoonist that you were speaking of, but hopefully, I'm sure he listens to the pod. We did an indestructible. You guys should Google it. I I always talk about it. It was like his Ohio State indestructible, and the art that people at our company drew for that it was like Urban Meyer as a bomber pilot, like flying like a, a an Ohio State fighter plane. And like Urban has like the bomber jacket, like with a little fur collar and stuff. It's pretty stinking cool. Hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. All right, what's this running back thing? That that almost slipped past me. It was like he didn't spend a lot of time on it. But uh, so quarterback, he's very clearly like spring is just the beginning and it's just the start of like nothing is going to be decided on quarterback. Explain what you just said about it, it. But it feels like that's not the case at running back. He wants a clearer picture on running back by the time we get to mid April. Um, well, the one thing he said that I we can also mention was this idea of, oh, maybe there's two running backs that deserve to be in the game at the same time. I'm like we've heard that before. I'm, I'm very skeptical of, of that seeing the light of day. Um, almost the fact that he would say it maybe makes it even less likely that it would, it would see the light of day. Um, but he did say something and I'm trying to find it here in the, in the notes, but basically saying that like um, they, they want to just get a, a, a better picture of, of kind of what the pecking order is. You know, I guess he was asked, do you feel like you have a good idea of the pecking order coming out of spring? And he said, I hope so. So that, that I think they want some, some idea of how that that hierarchy, however you want to say it, is sort of stacking up a little bit. Um, we all still assume that Master Teague is is at or near the top of that, and then it's just a matter of Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor coming in, and how much do they push ahead of people like Steel Chambers and, and Marcus Crowley, who are the holdover guys. And That's my not, influence. That is not how I would explain my assumption. I assume my assumption is that Trevion Henderson is a starting running back, and I will see how Master Teague works in. That's my assumption. That's not how you would characterize your assumption. My assumption, whatever it is, starts, day, I don't think so. No, my, my assumption starts with the first name. in my assumption is Travion Henderson. The first name in your assumption is Master Teague. I think Master Teague takes the first snap on opening day. Yes. You think he has a <laughs> three hour podcast coming? This is like in the wrap up part. I feel like we've already done this, though, haven't we? <laughs> we already oh, talked about this all. question. Just because, just because we've talked about it before, doesn't mean we won't talk about it again. Buckeye talk. Who has more carries in the opener, Master Teague or Trevion Henderson? Carries during meaningful time, whatever, whatever. When the the with the first team offensive line, let's say, or whatever, we begin the season, first game of the year. Yes, Master Teague will have yes. more carries in the first game, more meaningful carries in the first game than Trevion Henderson. As I, as I sit here today with the spring having not... Yes, that's how I feel. Okay. I think it's Trayvon Henderson. Okay. Um, that's where we are. Quarterback's coming. First day of spring practice Friday. Reaction to that on the Saturday pod. We're rolling. Here we go. Ohio State basketball plays on Friday. Steven will be on the Friday pod to talk about the quarterbacks and drop in a little Ohio State Oral Roberts basketball preview. That'll be part of the Friday pod. We just, it's just, uh, they're, they're all very good. It's they're getting juicy. Now this is no longer, this is not, 
there's some times in the offseason where you're treading a little bit of water when you're doing a five-day-a-week podcast about a team that is not currently practicing or playing, Nathan. I actually think we are really good at treading water. When I had to take my swimming test in middle school, I'm not a great swimmer. I am very good at treading water, staying in one place and not drowning. It's basically my existence in a nutshell. We are good at that. But now it's time to go. Now we're into the freestyle, maybe a little elementary backstroke, butterfly, right? We're actually moving in a direction in the pool. We're not just trying to avoid drowning. That's where we are. NCAA tournament, snack bracket, spring football. Let's go. And you're with us. We love that you guys are along for the ride. And we always appreciate that. Never take that for granted because otherwise we'd just be three idiots talking over Zoom for no apparent reason. And it would just be sad. So thanks so much for joining us. Let's get ready for some spring football. We'll see you on the big quarterback breakdown. Listen, you know Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, and Kyle McCord. You know them pretty well because you're a dedicated Ohio State fan. You're going to know more after you listen to the Friday podcast. It is going to be your primer to get you ready so that you start as a fan. You start this spring football competition at quarterback knowing absolutely where these guys are when it starts. And that's really important. And then we'll see what happens for Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye talk.